to Catching Up David. Today is episode 39, Parasite. Hello, Hallie. Bonjour, David. Hello, Kristen. Guten Nacht. Ah, I butchered that. Guten Nacht, David. <laughs> you tried. And uh, hello, listeners. So, Parasite is a 2019 South Korean black comedy thriller film written, directed, and produced by Bong Joon-ho. It stars, and I'm going to butcher these names. I'm sorry. I don't speak Korean, unfortunately. But it stars Song Kang-ho, Lee Soon-kyun, Choi Woo-sik, and Park So-dam. Parasite premiered at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival, where it won the coveted Palme d'Or, one of the most prestigious film awards in the world. In addition, it became the first non-English language movie to ever win the Academy Award for Best Picture, and it also won Oscars for Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best International Feature Film. It also took home a Golden Globe and a BAFTA for Best Foreign Language Film. Finally, Parasite did well at the box office as well, grossing $258 million worldwide off of its $15 million budget, which feels so cheap. Like, there weren't a whole lot of, like, big special effects or anything, but $15 million, a reasonable price for a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so low, yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right, but I don't know. movies Movies have costs. I'm sure the set cost a lot. They had to flood the whole thing. They had to flood the whole thing. They had to, like, buy that fancy house. Oh, Maybe they didn't sure. buy it. I don't know how that works. But they had a fancy house. Or at least, like, a facade of a fancy house. Yeah. Parasite, considered by many critics, not only the best film of 2019, but also of the 21st century. So, there you go. One of the best of the, wow. of the whole dang century. Okay. Creme de la crop, this movie is, so yeah. they say. Yeah. In case it's been a while since you've seen it, Parasite follows the Kims, a very poor family living in a basement apartment in South Korea. They struggle to find work, eventually landing jobs folding pizza boxes, until one day, Min, a friend of the family's son, Ki-woo, brings them a scholar's rock, which is said to bring wealth and good fortune. Min is about to go and study abroad, and recommends Kiwoo for his former job, tutoring a rich family's daughter in English. Kiwoo gets the position, and recommends his sister, pretending to not know her, as an art therapist for the family's rambunctious son. In turn, the sister, after framing the family's driver, recommends her father for the family's valet, and the mother gets hired as the housekeeper. However, the old housekeeper has a secret. Her husband has been living in in an underground bunker beneath the basement for the past four years, hiding from loan sharks. When she returns to see him one night, the Kim's schemes start to fall apart. Some free fumigation, a suction cup arrow attack, and a terrible peach allergy, Parasite. So, what did you guys think of it? Yes, seeing it for the first time, I wanted to start with Hallie, since she has also not seen it before. And because I talk a lot about not seeing movies, so I want to hear uh, Hallie's thoughts first. Yeah, I went in knowing absolutely nothing, um, except for that I knew the director's name because I had seen like snippets of him getting his Oscar thing, and I had seen him saying, um, him, what did he say? He was like, there's this fun thing called subtitles that people can just watch movies with, because, I don't know, people were pushing back against like an international movie 
being at the Oscars. And I was like, yeah. But then, of course, I never got around to finding the movie with the subtitles to watch. But I'm glad that I did because I loved it. Like, 9, 10 out of 10? Around there. I haven't decided yet. But I thought it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it. It made me unhappy, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, um... I also didn't know anything going into it other than like a South Korean family being involved. I think as I mentioned last episode, the marketing for the movie, which was, it was really good as far as like generating intrigue, but the commercials and everything don't really give anything away about the plot. There's just sort of like tense music and you get to see the scenes of the Kims kind of in the parks house. I remember um, the mother carrying the tray, like the plates of fruit upstairs after she gets the housekeeper job. But there's nothing about the twist with the housekeeper's husband or the the big party scene at the end where everything falls apart. So like I didn't know anything about the plot going into it, which was great because there's lots of twists and schemes and things that happen in this movie. Yeah, and none of I... that got spoiled for me. So props to the props to the marketing people who had a, a difficult job with this movie i'm sure i mean seriously but, yeah i didn't yeah, even know about did. the basement thing and from what i understand a lot of people who otherwise haven't seen the movie and don't know the broad strokes also know about the basement plot twist so i was like delighted going in not even knowing that because when that happened i was yeah. like what the fuck is this i'm enjoying it yeah oh my god tell me more i had i had heard that there was a twist in the movie and I assumed it, it would come about an hour into it because that's where the twist tends to happen yeah. in a, in a two hour movie. So getting to that point, I was like, okay, here we go. Something's going to happen. And then they were the, the Kim's had their sort of drunken bash in the, in the park's house. And then the doorbell rang. And I was like, Oh, the doorbell rang is how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> then the doorbell rang and I was like, okay, here we go. Something weird is going to happen. And then something weird happened. Yeah. And it was really good. Really delivered. So, yeah. I really love this one too. I think it was up there with Into the Spider-Verse with me as one of my favorites that we've watched so far. Nice. I'd probably give it like, I don't really give tens. I always feel like there's something out there that like will be a 10, but it's at least a nine. You know, all the, all the actors sure. were fantastic. The script is both, like, really funny and tragic, like, sometimes at the same time. Yeah. And that's all I ever really want from a movie is is those two things to happen concurrently. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. How, uh, how, did, how was seeing it for the second time, Kristen? This movie, I thought I enjoyed it actually more the second time not that I didn't enjoy it the first time but the first time I also had known nothing about the movie going in I didn't know there was a plot twist the reason I watched it actually was because I saw a thing on tumblr that had like four different screenshots from movies that pertain to like classism issues and Parasite was one of them and I didn't even know that classism was a running theme and you know the disparity between the rich and the poor was at all an aspect of it and I thought well I don't want to be spoiled about any other thing for this movie that was super mega popular so I'm gonna watch it and yeah the first hour I was like I mean it's it's fun it's fine it's good I'm enjoying seeing how they're slowly integrating themselves into this family's life and then yeah you get to the hour in with the twist and I was like what 
what? I didn't, I didn't see it coming at all. Uh, but I think I got to enjoy it a little more the second time because again, the first time I watched for that first hour, I thought, well, this is like generally enjoyable. I don't know if it's like best picture worthy, but you know, we got half the movie left. We'll see. And now I got to see the build up, and you know, when they mentioned that their problem with the current, uh, not housekeeper, I don't know what the title is formally, but how the biggest problem with her is that she eats enough for two, and you're yeah. like, haha, it's because there are two people. So I enjoyed it. it. Not as much as you two, but I do really have fun with Parasite. What's your number? My number... Hmm. I'm trying to think of what numbers I've given other people or other movies so I can do like a compare and contrast. I don't know, maybe like seven and a half or eight. Not bad. Alright, that's pretty good. It's It's not a nine to me. It's very good. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm glad other people did too. But I don't know. I think there's there's always something that I'm like, I just wish it had this extra little layer. And I don't know what that layer would be. <laughs> Anything I would try to think of would surely overcrowd the movie and not be good. But I like it. Stand up movie. I'll stick with my 7.75. I can All respect right. that number. And it's yeah. not a flat seven. So it's legal. Right. I didn't do a flat seven. No, yes, I did. But then when I tried to say, can I do like a 7.2, you told me no, so. Yeah. I'm just going to round it up to an 8, I think. <laughs> no, 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 no rounding here. This is a 7.75. <laughs> Alright. I'm sticking sure. with it. So, for personality quiz this week, we were able to find one that wasn't a quiz so much, it took the characters in the film and assigned them to different zodiac symbols so it, you didn't have to fill zodiac out any signs characters. david zodiac what signs not symbols yeah signs, signs i'm sorry yes zodiac signs <laughs> zodiac signs so um you didn't have to like answer any questions it was just you you took your zodiac sign and they gave you a character so I wanted, so we have those and I'm like, I'm reasonably happy with mine, but I also wanted to find a quiz quiz. And when I Googled Parasite BuzzFeed quiz, they gave me one that was which worm <laughs> matches your personality. So we also did a, a worm quiz just in case you uh, wanted to, wanted to answer some questions <laughs> with your, uh your parasite things so we've got both movie character mine for the zodiac i got min oh he's and, a stand-up uh, guy yeah min is kiwu's college friend a glint of light in the darkness that envelops most poor people's lives as a capricorn he proves to the kim family that hard work and intelligence are all it takes to succeed in life which i'm not sure about but uh continuing min is the spark that lights the fire when he offers Kiwu his own job as Dahi's tutor, an act that clearly, 
that clearly displays his sense of loyalty to his friend. Most importantly, it is he who brings the Scholar's Stone into the picture, a core symbol in the story, but he disappears soon after. So that was that was my Zodiac. And for my worm, I got the hookworm. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you are a chonky boy. You may seem tough and scary on the outside, but on the inside, you're a big softy. Being a hookworm means that you're often underestimated, but you're resilient and hardworking. You're also silly, fun, happy, and intelligent. There's <laughs> a lot going on with the hookworm. Good for the hookworm. Yeah. What a uh, what parasite character slash worm were you, Kristen? Uh, for parasite character, I got Kim Ki Woo, so Kevin. And it says, being a Virgo, Kiwu is a quiet, gentle boy who blames fate for his family's miseries. He struggles to match the flawless act of his sister, often being coached by her own, or coached by her on how to behave. However, Kiwu isn't much for complaining about his lot in life, but rather works to fix it. And I don't know. I thought I would be the flawless sister, so I'm a little bit salty. <laughs> I'm kidding, mildly. Um, I like him though. He's a stand-up character. He's, he's a good kid. I believe in him. I'm happy to be associated with Kevin. And then for my worm, I got the blind worm. And it says, congratulations, you are a big boy. You are loud, proud, and not afraid to say it like it is. You have the biggest personality in the room, but some people can find this a bit overwhelming at times. You're honest, loud, bouncy, and loyal. And I thought this was an odd uh, selection for me, given that the first question was how would you describe yourself and of these six options i chose quiet <laughs> but doesn't what sound do very beth like does it yeah it uh it saw through your ruse and yeah. assigned you the correct worm <laughs> hmm, we'll see we'll see hallie which character slash worm are you okay so for the zodiac the thing is that i'm on the cusp so depending on what chart you're using uh i am a libra or a scorpio but there's no definition the other day you said you were a libra quiz. I, i'm usually a libra and that's the one that i identify with more so i've chosen the libra character which was uh park de song de song is meant to be the stereotypical spoiled child but his character has a lot more depth to it than what is depicted on screen for instance consider ki jung's question to mrs park the relationship between his artwork and the monster in the dark. In true Libra form, DeSong spends most of his time in his own head, but that doesn't mean he isn't aware of what's going on. In fact, he is the only one who manages to consider that the blinking lights above the stairway is Morse code. Uh, I'm okay with this one, mostly because um, I do spend a lot of time in my own head, but unlike Park DeSong, I don't usually have any idea what's going on, so that's a difference between us but yeah okay give me give me the kid who likes to run around shooting arrows everywhere i'm pretty happy with that who was traumatized yeah. by a ghost in the scariest scene in the film <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't stop thinking of that shot last night when i was trying to sleep and i watched it like two days ago so it wasn't even super fresh but i was just like god i hated it i hated that shot it was so good i hated it yeah uh, it was then, also I also thought it was funny though, like just his eyes well, sticking up above the I mean above the it, floor. It could be if it wasn't like that, like like 
like eyes are typically yes very uh funny when they're just peeking above a thing but this was scary it especially because was... it slowly rises you know you're sitting there and then he just slowly slides into frame and it's like no i i also would have been traumatized and it's late at night too which is always that's when all the thoughts come in. It's always late at night that I think of the Donnie Darko bunny. It's never like <laughs> two in the afternoon that I think of the Donnie Darko bunny. And so it's, it's extra scary. The and worst the Mothman. Day. Yeah. The Mothman. <laughs> I don't know. It's the worst and I hated it, but it has my begrudging respect. Yeah. Uh, and then for Worm, I also got the hookworm. Nice. Yay for hookworms. I'm all those fun things that uh, that the description said. Silly, fun, but happy, the, intelligent. But you're not fun. I am the most fun person I know. No. Because I know some of the people you know, and I know that they are more fun than you. That's impossible. Simply impossible. Let us, uh, let us know on Twitter if you got a different worm. I'm really curious as to the, uh, say, the selection of of parasites one can get. I thought you were the, gonna say, "Let quiz. us know on Twitter if you think Hallie is fun." <laughs> yeah, just just Tell weigh me. in, and uh, that'll be. Uh, we'll put up a, a little poll. Is gonna be yes because I am. They just they just type in no. <laughs> <laughs> no Nobody other wrote. context. Nobody would do that to me because I am the funnest. I'm trying to think of a fun thing that I did recently, but there are so many of them that I can't I can't pick just one <laughs> example. I'm sure that's the problem you're having. That's the exact problem I'm having. Anyway, back to Parasite. Back to Parasite. Yeah. There was um it felt like there was a lot to talk about in this movie. But a lo- most of it kind of centers around the main, like, class issue, class disparity, yeah. the the rich versus the poor. And um, especially how they're framed in this movie, like the, the gullible rich family versus yeah. the, the poor family that winds up being... Crafty always feels like it has a negative connotation, so I don't know that crafty is really the word, but, like, they... They get by on their wits. They, you know, they see this opportunity and they are able to figure out, like, how to get into this family's lives and get them all employed by the 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 rich family. They're quick I, on their feet. They're quick on yeah. their feet. I was also struggling to find a word that didn't have a negative connotation. Um I landed on opportunistic, which does often have a negative connotation, but I think it applies. And I also thought it was really interesting that, like, you can't describe the poor family without landing on a word that maybe has negative connotations, but, I mean, I at least didn't blame them for what they were doing because the wealth gap was so bad. But I was also really interested in, I expected the rich family to be, like, off the wall bonkers and just like i don't know weird like take advantage of the poor family later uh have weird rich tastes and fetishes or something like i thought that was gonna be a statement and it wasn't they were fine like they 
I don't know. They weren't cruel, exactly. Well, eh. They were fine. Like, the mom... They were more gullible and, like, naive than anything else. The mom was out of touch, but she never was mean or malicious. And I think she was... Yeah, she was out of touch, and she didn't really have um, a solid idea on... Not solid idea, but... I can't think of the words that I'm trying to say. But she... I don't think she ever had any malice. I think it was just a true thing of it's not in her world and so she doesn't recognize it such as class disparity or any other issues for her the biggest thing is making sure that her son has a nice happy birthday to try to forget the trauma of his previous birthday and it's nice that that's the only thing she has to worry about um however there are bigger problems in the world yeah, like, what summed up her character for me was when she was telling her friend on the phone that the rain was a blessing, because it was beautiful out now, while, uh, while Mr. Kim is just driving, and their whole lives were destroyed the night before, because yeah. their basement got flooded, so I was like, oh, wow, that's a really good line, showing, like, the differences, but of course she has no frame of reference for knowing that what she's saying is extremely mm. hurtful to the person she is currently with. I did like how when they were fleeing the rain, we kept seeing it get more and more intense. Not intense, because the rain was steady, but, you know, when they're in the house, you just see it in the backyard. And you think, oh, it's raining, but it's fine. Yeah. And then as they're leaving the house, you can see it going into the drains, and you're like, ah, it's running in there pretty quickly. And then at some point, you know, when they're going down the steps towards their home, Kevin stops and you can see all the water rushing past his feet. And then you get down to where they live, that uh, street, and it's just flooded. And then you see their house, and it's filled with water. Yeah, And sucks. I know that obviously gravity works, water flows down. It's not, like, it's symbolic, but it's also just how nature works. But I thought it was interesting, just seeing how it all, it, it continued to build, and how something that is a minor inconvenience for the rich people is such a big problem for people who are less wealthy and have fewer resources. Yeah, and how they can't say anything about it. Like, there are some other circumstances saying how they can't say anything about it, because they're dealing with some other stuff by that point. But, like, even if uh, that whole murder scene hadn't happened, like, they still wouldn't really have had the space to be like, hey, my life was destroyed the night before, so can I not be at your garden party right now? Slet, like... I don't know. It was just a really interesting dichotomy. And I thought it was, like, better that way than if the rich family was just bonkers. Like, let's be clear, eat the rich. (laughs) Wealth disparity is bad. But I was interested that, like, I didn't outright hate any of the the rich individuals. No. As as people. Like, like, uh, the dad kind of, the dad kind of approached it when he was commenting about how uh, how the ah, names, because I know he goes by Mr. Kim, but that's I don't think that's their actual last name. I think that's his fake last name for driving. Um, and I don't want to say the poor dad and the rich dad, because that just feels gross. Key take. The dad smells like radishes or something. Like, that's, it's a mean thing, and that's the, I think that's the closest the rich family gets to, like, cruelty. It's not even, though, at least... For me, the the fact that he says, you know, like, oh, he smells like radishes, because 
it's not a nice comment, but I don't know. Sometimes you're just commenting on someone's shirt smells like vanilla. Obviously, this isn't meant in a good way, but it's more of just an observation in a way. But then he goes on to say that poor people always smell like the subway or something or just yeah, yeah like a like when you boil a rag and then it becomes the sweeping generalization of people in classes lower than him and that's when it's like okay dude you were just making like a not nice but not malicious comment before but now you're you're being classist yeah like he he crosses the line as he is so fond of pointing out when his staff mm-hmm. is about to cross the line. But he still wasn't, like, I wasn't rooting for him to die in a painful way. He was just yeah. like, you gotta, you gotta learn, dude. You gotta learn some manners, my friend. So I, 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 I really liked the characterization. Yeah, they, um, there's a couple times there, um, when the, the Kim family, I think they are the, the Kims. The other yes. kids? I okay, their... I wasn't sure if they had a... I wasn't sure which of their names were, were yeah. fake or real. Because they go by... Anglo- the kids go by anglicized names, but... Yeah. But um, when the the whole family is, is spending the night in the house, or is going to, before the uh, before everything sort of Falls breaks apart. loose. Yeah. Yeah. And they're drinking. And the, the father says about the family that they're rich, but still nice. And the mother says, "No, they're nice because they're rich." Yes, yeah, so I like that had line all of, a lot too. Yeah, if I had all of this, I would be nice too. And then she like shoves the dog or whatever. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of why I feel like describing the poor family as crafty, opportunistic, etc. fits in with with what the intent of the film was. Because of that line, like because like sometimes you don't have the luxury of being nice when you were fighting to survive right that felt important yeah the the father also says that rich people are naive no resentments no creases on them and the mother says it all gets ironed out money is an iron those creases all get smoothed out by money and i thought that was i thought that was a really good line too it was. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I really liked that scene coming where it did in the movie, where they're all, you know, they've they've all sort of succeeded in a way. They've all gotten positions with this rich family that is paying them a lot of money for what they're doing. But then you get to see them in that, in that house and how they interact with each other and how they, they think about these people with all their money and their house designed by a famous architect and everything and um yeah i wanted to talk about the rain too just like how it the worst it does for the park family is it ruins their camping trip and all they have to do is like pack up and come home and call their housekeeper on the way to make their son's favorite meal or whatever yeah Whereas for the the Kim family, like yeah, their their apartment is not just destroyed. It's like it's just like obliterated. There's nothing. There's basically nothing salvageable from it except for that rock, the uh, the scholar's stone, mm-hmm. which um, 
I guess we should talk about the Scholar's Stone. Like, what is uh, what is it doing in the in the movie? It's a curse. I don't know, not a curse. Maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe that thing is right. That I'm blaming like fate on the family's thing. Obviously, that's not the case. But it said that Kevin blamed everything, and I was like, this rock brought badness into their lives. So you know what? That thing is onto something. But what did you say the Scholar Stone is supposed to bring? It's supposed to bring like wealth and material fortune or something? I don't know if it was specifically material fortune. I thought it was just like it brings wealth and, and good fortune. Okay. Um, I, I guess maybe in this way it's almost sort of like a monkey's paw thing of just careful what you wish for. But even then it's not that they did anything bad like they didn't know that the former housekeeper was keeping her husband in the basement basement uh so that's not it I don't know it just it feels very cursed to me and then of course that's the thing that Kevin ends up being you know bashed on the head with and it just brought nothing but badness I, which is probably not the like scholarly analysis you were looking for, but <laughs> especially this time when they go back to the house and it's completely flooded and then he pulls up the rock and then he carries it with him. I don't know. It seemed more like a bad omen at that point than a good one. Not so much a, if you can't have anything else to salvage from your home, salvage this one thing, which can maybe still help you in the end by bringing you wealth and success. It just... Their trouble began when they started working at this house, and that was when he got the Scholar Stone. And it, I don't know. It's got bad vibes. Yeah, I've really been struggling with where to place the Scholar Stone in, like, my read of this movie. Because, as Kristen says, it feels very monkey's paw in nature. But I don't, like, wishing for material wealth isn't like a bad thing in that family's right. position and i don't they didn't get carried away i mean they no. kind of did because they had like a little party when they were gone but like they you know they didn't they didn't reach like a typical monkey's paw sort of like crux they didn't where, cross where, the like, line what they wanted as mr Parr too says. much and got worse because they never got rich you know they had enough to get by but they never got like super super wealthy so for me it ties into a little bit the fact that the both working class groups of people the um old housekeeper and her husband and this family fought each other instead of banding together against the rich family not that they had anything to band together against but they could have like helped each other out i don't know because again i get it the tensions are high everybody's scared for themselves and they want to be able to make sure they can secure their own position to keep to keep themselves alive hiding in the bunker from the from the debtors making money to get by all that stuff but i was like no you're both like you're on the same team you yeah you have common goals like um when the housekeeper 
calls the mom sis and the, and the mom of course is like no no don't call me that which i get like you're yeah. mm-hmm. you're in a position where you're naturally framed as antagonists but like the housekeeper has a point you're both working class you could make this work together you were not each other's enemy you're fighting for scraps you know like like them taking what you think belongs to you isn't what what's the metaphor that someone once said it's it's like the it's like the political agenda where they convince you that like people making slightly higher minimum wage are the enemy and are going to like destroy the economy or whatever it reminded me of that so the scholar stone to me fit in somewhere with that but i don't have like an answer yet and I've just been, like, mulling over where it fits because the, it's also used as a murder weapon or at least an intended murder <laughs> weapon. And, like, yeah, like it a couple t- times. Like, Kiru was going was gonna to go and kill the, the guy who's who's peeing outside their apartment with it. Yeah. Like, and, then, and then the father's like, no, take this water bottle. <laughs> this is much more reasonable weapon <laughs> yeah, to go yeah, don't, attack. Don't, what are you doing? <laughs> When he was going down the stairs with it, he was like, I have to go downstairs, downstairs to his girlfriend. And I was like, why would you say that? Why would you give yourselves away like that? No. And then he went down and I was like, you can't hold that thing. You can't wield it effectively. Don't do this, child. I was upset when he took it to go down there. Um, It's, it's, yeah, I, I feel like it's destructive nature has a lot more to do with wealth as a concept rather than oh these people got greedy so the monkey's paw curse turned on them it's really it's really hard to put into words i don't know yeah because it feels it feels like it should be a monkey's paw just on how it appears in the story but again they never they never crossed a line as mr park says and they like even when they were in their house they were still being pretty chill about it like yeah they were drinking their alcohol but they also poured like barely any in the cups so you know it's being sneaky but it's also like we're not just taking their stuff it's like they're just utilizing the things and also when you were talking about how they were sort of banding together it made me think of um sort of people who are higher up and an analogy i heard was something about how there are like 12 cookies in a room for a bunch of people and someone takes 11 cookies and then turns and is like, hey, that other guy's trying to take your final cookie. And yes. like, you don't notice that they have taken the 11 cookies. That's what I was looking for. You are like, hey, I want that cookie and this other person's going to take it. And it's like, I see why you are upset about that, but you should go after the guy with 11 cookies instead. Yes, that is that is the, meta- the metaphor I was looking for to yeah. explain how I felt about that scene yeah how do you feel about the the stone david yeah give us give us your grad school thoughts (laughs) give us your like your like degreed thoughts yeah i wasn't really i wasn't really sure either i don't think it's something that one can really pin down which is which is good like i i prefer when there's something a little bit slippery about the metaphors Mm -hmm. than there is something like this symbol obviously equals this thing. Um, no, I, I agree with what both of you have said as far as um, it being kind of a, a curse. I'm really interested in the 
the violence of it how it keeps getting picked up and or like thrown at people and what that has to do and i am really curious about just the fact that min is the one that gives it to the family like min being someone who is a little bit more upper class and a little bit more educated than they are and how he comes by it's it was his grandfather's right or his grandfather Mm -hmm. collected them i think so yeah and just like the provenance of that somebody coming down from the upper class to give this thing to the the poorer family to give this thing that ultimately isn't very useful yeah because it's just a rock you're not offering sentiment but it's just a rock right like you're not offering help money or time you're just saying here's a rock to help you do these things and again if if you were as poor of a family as they are there's nothing wrong with being like yeah i would like a little bit of wealth to come my way so i can survive but uh it would be nice if the people who had some wealth did a little bit more than just I mean, he offers, he says that he wants um, Kevin to take his place at the at the house as the tutor. But even but that he, is sort of a, like, hey, I know that you won't steal my girl while I'm gone. Not necessarily yeah. a, hey, I know your family is, like, down and out and on some hard times right now. Here's a position for you. Even that is keep my place for me. Yeah. Rather yeah. than. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't trying to help them, like, get out of their situation. It was like, hey, I've got this really good thing, and I want to make sure that you, someone that no one would desire, I think is part of it, too. Yeah, no one would desire. He's worried about his college friends stealing his high school girlfriend, or the girl he wants to be his high school girlfriend. And he's like, well, you know, you're, you're poor, nobody would want to nobody would want to be with you so i trust you right yeah slap in the face yeah i did want to talk about the ending a little bit because i loved the ending so much kind of a bummer yeah i also liked the ending but it made me feel really really unsettled somehow more than anything else in that movie did aside from the ghost scene the um the well, when when I say the ending, what are, what are you thinking of specifically? Um, the part where he he's hiding in the room and he does the Morse letter, and then the yeah. son is like, yeah, okay. "I'm gonna buy your house," and then the last line is like, "See you soon." <laughs> after a hypothetical, or see you later. After no, that, so like, long. hypothetical future scene, and I was like, I was really upset. I was really really upset. Uh, apparently, the actor who plays Kevin, who plays Kiwu, estimates that it would take approximately 564 years for Kiwu to earn enough money to purchase that house. Yeah, like... Yeah, Yeah, I heard that uh, part of the reason that Bong Joon-ho ended it with the scene that we see in the beginning is meant to be sort of a... Nail in the coffin feels like the wrong expression... But just a sad commentary of, unfortunately, no, it is a pipe dream. This is where he's going to stay. And it's heartbreaking. Is, and it's I, really sad. And again, yeah. class disparity, eat the rich. Absolutely. I was I yeah. was so sad. Yeah. 
But I really love the the Morse code letter. That I love it. Like the distance the distance that exists between them now, and the father trying to communicate, but not knowing if he'll actually reach his son or not. Yeah. So he just keeps sending the same message every night, in hopes that maybe someday Kiwu will happen to see it. And then, like the fact that Kiwu does see it, like that. I don't know. He sees it, and then he comes up with this plan that he's going to make a lot of money, which is something that his father had specifically said earlier. Like, don't don't have a plan. Like, life never goes according to plan. I don't know. Like, everything really comes together in a satisfying, if really incredibly sad way at the <laughs> end of the movie. It's aesthetically satisfying. Just, like, deeply deeply upsetting yeah i i had a lot of feelings about the movie and i will watch it again probably sooner rather than later yeah because i like feeling sad apparently maybe they thought it was just because of the famous architect but upon second watch i thought has the park family really never noticed that when they go up the stairs especially Mr. Park, that the lights go up in time with him? Like, did they just chalk that up to wow, this guy developed this house so nicely that it can sense when you're on these certain steps? Or had it just truly never occurred to them? Because I feel like at some point you'd think huh, these lights turn on almost completely in tandem with when I'm going up these stairs. Crazy. That has nothing to do with the ending, but I thought of it this time. But I think that's just like, of course the lights go on when I walk up the stairs. I'm Mr. Park. You know, like, <laughs> I right, like I'm rich and, I'm, and there's yeah. nothing particularly egotistical in it. It's just like, that's the lifestyle that he's used to. So he's never had to think about it. That also felt metaphorical that, uh, that the basement husband is doing all this stuff completely unbeknownst to the family at large because that's just like why would they need to consider that i mean truly why would you need to consider there's a secret bunker in my basement that people are living in and manipulating things from but like on a larger scale you know i don't have to consider the things that are below me that are making things work because i'm up here look at that metaphor look at that metaphor so i know I really did like that every time The Rock came up, Kiwu was like, it's metaphorical. That was like a really good yeah. callback line every time, especially because we don't really know what The Rock means. Yeah. the um, That has a, I think it's called a, a stairway movie. It's called something like that. The, yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is, is that the right term for it? Where you've got. I was looking up stuff about Parasite and I saw the term both stairway movie as well as just upstairs downstairs yeah it's it's something like like using the the space of a house or like the rich people live up on the hill and the the poor families live down you know where the the rain washes down and like just using physical space as that sort of metaphor for like wealth disparity and class 
but also probably literally like the rich people are going to live on the hill because you get the nice views and the poor people are going to live down where you can't see anything. Yeah, but that that's definitely that's definitely a thing. That kind of that kind of story has a lot of other examples which I will not come up with on the spot. <laughs> but uh it's a thing that exists. I never heard that term. That's interesting. Yeah. I um there were a lot of really pleasing progressions in the movie or like things that get dropped in at one point and then come back to a satisfying conclusion later. Like as far as progressions go, like um I liked how the f- how the family got their jobs. Like yeah. Kiwu gets his through men recommending him from a for a position, like someone from the outside comes and gets Kiwu his first job and then the sister gets hers through Kiwu once he's kind of in with the family. And then once the sister's in, things get a little more sinister and they scheme to get the father the job through um, through framing the driver. And then things get like even more sinister where like <laughs> there's active poisoning against the housekeeper yeah, pretty much because was... she's so allergic to peaches. And that's and they pretend that she has tuberculosis. So that's that how the mother like, gets her job. Next level and, like, scheming. Yeah, like the whole like everything gets ratcheted up another level and another level as they go on the tuberculosis uh, scene was fun because i also just feel like people it just feels like something that would have been eradicated like smallpox every time i hear about tuberculosis i'm like that's still around and i don't mean to be like the out of touch rich mom (laughs) but man tuberculosis persistent I loved the the sauce that they put on the on the tissue. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe they pulled that off. That was just like a really nice detail that they did. It was really funny because there's just so much of it when it's he so pulls much. the tissue when he pulls the tissue out of the trash can. And he looks so somber. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Like look, tuberculosis. <laughs> good scene. Yeah, that scene was really good. So so many of the scenes in the movie are really good. I love at the beginning where they're folding the pizza boxes and the guy comes by to fumigate. And, yeah, they're like, um, leave the windows open, free fumigation. Exactly, yeah. Just, and, like, that was a moment of, like, black comedy. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, what a dad thing to do. But also, no, not a yeah. dad thing to do. This is, this, is just, this is just the depths of poverty. It's sad. Yeah. And they all, they all just start coughing and choking but they're still like he's still watching the video on his phone of this woman who's really good at folding pizza boxes (laughs) just everything about the scene was again really funny and kind of sad and heartbreaking yeah like i loved uh, that's a thing that i i keep going back to i loved like the progression of like this is sad, but, you know, like, touching and funny in a way at the beginning. And then we got to, like, I know things took a turn before this scene, but it was really when um, the Park family returns from their camping trip and the old housekeeper is running up the stairs with her hands tied behind her back and the mom just, like, slams into her and she falls backwards down the stairs. 
and flips yeah. like three times. I know things turned before then, but that was the moment for me where I was like, what happened? How did we get here? Is she dead? I don't, I have to track how we got to this, to this position. Like that was just so, I don't know, loud and sudden and like really nasty. And it was like a really good scene because it just freaked me out and unsettled me. But just, uh, I don't know. The progression was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't. It's not that like she slams into her. She like kicks her down the stairs. It's like she an kicks active. Her. Okay. Yeah. It's she, oh my god. She actually just like, she's like, no, get out of here. Ugh. It's it's uh, it makes my stomach clench when I think about it. I just, uh. Also, at any time, like the house, like when we first see the housekeeper trying to open the basement, and she's just like crunched up against the wall, pushing yeah. on the book on the the shelves that scene was just like really creepy because she was just like i was just like what is she doing why is she hanging out on the wall like that yeah i when i watched it the first time it was obviously creepy and you're like what is going on but it was somehow creepier the second time and i don't know if the first time i was just so caught off guard like what is happening here i did not see this coming but seeing it now and knowing what it is, it's this sort of, like, manic laugh before they even let her in the house. And then when the mom follows the former uh, house person down to the basement, or no, just to the kitchen, and the woman turns back and says, do you want to come down with me? And again, has sort of, like, the creepy laugh. And you can see why she's under a lot of stress and pressure and why she's reacting that way. But just for someone to show up, in the middle of the night, in the pouring rain, and then they have this creepy laugh, and then you go down to the basement, and you see them trying to shove something to the side, and then there's a door there. Big creeps, man. Big creeps. Yeah. Major creeps. You said it. I really liked the credit song for um, Parasite, so I looked it up on Spotify, and then Mm -hmm. Spotify started playing like other foreign film songs and there was this lovely uh sound there was this lovely like score to something called j'ai perdu mon corps and i was like oh that means i lost my body in french and i was like oh david talked about that once yeah and i meant to look it up so that's still it's on, my on list. it's on netflix still gotta look that up and then yeah. i was um i watched parasite through hulu and mm-hmm. Uh, they do both English and Spanish subtitles, and you have to have both on. You can't you can't turn one of them off. But the hmm. thing is that I just started learning Spanish on Duolingo, so I would oh, see words like yeah, I would see words like "señora" or "muy" or "aquí," things that mean miss <laughs> or <laughs> very or here, and I'd be like, I know what that yeah. word means. So my eyes would be drawn to the Spanish, like oh, I recognize that word. And then I'd miss the English line. So I'd be like, no, I can't do this. And the Spanish subtitles were so much bigger than the English ones. And they were in all caps. So at the end, when the son was like, see you later, the Spanish one was like, hasta la vista, in all caps. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. My brain is processing three different languages and I can't, I can't do this. I dreamed in Spanish and French at the same time the other night and I woke up exhausted. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. It was a lot. I asked for like a fish sandwich and I was like, <laughs> Yo quiero un sandwich de pescado avec le fromage, s'il vous plaît. 
Like I started it in Spanish and finished it in French. And then I woke up because my brain didn't know how to respond to it. It was also, I enjoyed this because I have not seen many a thing with subtitles on them. Just because I tend to watch things in English and my parents will put subtitles on because my family does not have great hearing. And so we have them on, but it's already in English, so I don't have to look at it unless I get confused about or I mishear what something or mishear something that someone says. But I think this was maybe the first full movie I had watched with subtitles. Other than Holy Motors. <laughs> no, but I had seen this before I saw Holy Motors. Okay. And That's actually, fair. I had started to watch this Islandic TV show, and I had to use subtitles for that. And the first, like, 20 minutes, I was like, how am I supposed to read this and watch the thing at the same time? My brain isn't built for this. Not saying that people shouldn't in general, but I was like, I think my brain's just defective, man. But no, you adapt quickly. I was telling David you when you were gone that the thing that I watch with subtitles most consistently is Yu-Gi-Oh! Because I watched the sub. So I was like, man, I'm so cultured. Moving up from Yu-Gi-Oh! to Parasite. It was a jump in quality from what I'm used to watching with subtitles. But I, I've watched, like, uh, there's an Italian series on HBO called uh, My Brilliant Friend. And that series is really good. It's based on a book series that I like a lot. Yeah. So I have watched that in subtitles. I don't know, make, watching things in subtitles doesn't make you automatically more cultured. But I was like, I need to start watching things that aren't just American. Like, it's very fun to watch things that are made other places. I watched Train to Busan on Netflix. Oh, I want to see that! That was so good! And I had I wanted to see, to see it. Yeah. And I heard great things. Also, my American self for the longest time was like, Train to Busan... And then they said Busan, and I'm like, you know, that makes sense. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But, no, I think, I had heard it was really good, but I think it took me a while to get around to it because I had not previously watched anything with subtitles on it. And I was like, but what if I can't focus on the zombie fun? But no, you can still focus on the zombie fun. And there's a lot of zombie fun. Highly recommend. I think there was talk about, like, making an American remake of Train to Busan, even though that wouldn't culturally translate because we don't have trains like that. No. Because America <laughs> sucks. Um, so I was, like, interested in the larger, like, oh, yeah, you should watch more foreign movies that don't have to be remade, localized for your audience. You can just watch things with the subtitles, which was what uh, the director of Parasite was saying at the Oscars and was a yeah. point that I liked. Because I was like, yeah, I gotta start doing that, man. You're calling me out. Thanks, buddy. It's funny because most of the movies that I watch are foreign movies with subtitles. And most of the books that I read are like English translation. Like I've read Elena Ferrante before. I haven't read the My Brilliant oh. Friend, like the Neapolitan okay. novels. Yeah. But I've read other books by by that author. And Good, she's, she's, in, she's incredible. She's incredible. She's, she's just wonderful. an incredible writer. Um, or they are... There's um, there was some mystery around who Elena Ferrante was. Yeah, and... Elena is the pen name. I do tend to, I I think I tend to use female pronouns for this the name Elena, but it yeah. could it could it doesn't have to be a woman. Although also it's all written from a woman's perspective, so I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Yeah, there was. I think somebody figured out who Elena Ferrante is, but I didn't want to know because yeah, Elena don't... Ferrante doesn't want people to know. Yeah, so I didn't read the article. 
but it might be public knowledge at this point who elena ferrante is anyways i I like her work if her is the pronoun that she chooses i like elena ferrante's work yeah anyways yeah so it was it's funny hearing you say that both of you that you don't watch things with subtitles very often just because that's like most of my experience with movies is reading while watching something so anyways i'm i'm getting i'm getting more ideas for episode 50 which is getting closer by every episode it is yeah so so maybe maybe we'll have to do something else with subtitles just to uh to make sure hallie is sufficiently cultured you are are already sufficiently cultured (laughs) yes obviously that's French. Yeah, Hallie speaks. <laughs> Hallie speak speaks four bit. languages now. I speak so many languages. Did I not greet David at the start of this episode by speaking German poorly? Yes, but French. I did it. <laughs> I said bonjour, which is not the French pronunciation of it. I intentionally <laughs> made it as hard and wrong as possible, but. I don't think it was intentional. I think that's just how you speak Bonjour. French. Bonjour. Duolingo does not like when I speak to it. It does not like my accents. Yeah. Duolingo shame. keeps not recognizing the simple words. Like, it'll be H-A-T, which is just hot. And I say hot. And it, it like, won't recognize it. It will get all the really long, complicated German words. But I say hot. And it says, sorry, mm, you're doing it wrong. So it's not just me, then. That's... That's good. I should when when I eventually break down and get a smartphone, yes. which the time is drawing near. I'm afraid. Yes. But uh, do it. I'm gonna have Probably. to get Duolingo because I've always been. I was a Spanish major in college. Oh and, really? Yeah, I was a Spanish major and I studied abroad in Barcelona for a semester and used to fluent isn't what I would describe my Spanish <laughs> as, but I used to be. Um, I, I, I still read it pretty well, but I've always been kind of embarrassed about my American accent. So like I don't I don't speak it. It comes back to me in like moments of panic when I have to like when I worked at the library and I would interact with somebody who only spoke Spanish or mostly spoke Spanish, like I'd be able to have a conversation with them and help them find the book or whatever they wanted. Um but like I've always been really self-conscious about how i say spanish words uh, so maybe duolingo will help with that not sponsored. Not, <laughs> not sponsored we are not sponsored by duolingo it's just something yeah. no you should do it duolingo, duolingo is fun i stumbled what's fun i had a hard time getting that one out are there um are there other specifically parasite things you wanted to talk about Yes. We haven't really delved in... Yes, go ahead. I slightly lied earlier when I said that the only thing I knew about this movie was the classism from a Tumblr post. That's a lie, because my friend had sent me a link to a YouTube video of this account, this guy called Binging with Babish, and what he does is he goes and he makes the food from various different TV shows and movies, and my friend had sent me the one where the guy makes the, uh, oh. Ramdon. Ramdon? Yes. Ramdon, yeah. Which was something coined by the translator of the film. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. I looked it up because I was really curious about it. And I guess it's like when you combine 
two different brands of noodles together? Yes, it's two different, um, yeah, two different types of ramen noodles. Literally, like, the 50-cent ramen noodles. This isn't anything fancy, even though they're fancy people. But what they do is that she says to put, what is it, like, sirloin steak on it or something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even that is not just sirloin steak. It's, like, the fancy version. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really fancy. It's another, like, class thing of how even their ramen, this, like, 50-cent thing, they still go and they make it this really expensive meal as if it's nothing. And the guy making it said that it's essentially the same as if you ordered a Big Mac and then put $50 worth of black truffle mushrooms on it. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it tastes good, but you can't justify spending $50 on a Big Mac. And it was a really fun video. I have watched a couple of his. Not a whole lot, but he makes fire flakes from Avatar. Ooh. So that was fun. And... Yeah, no, I just thought it was, because you know me, I have mentioned that I enjoy food in movies, and I was like, what is this food dish? And now I really, really, really want ramen. But I thought that was a fun little <laughs> tiny thing that I certainly did not pick up on No, I she said either. make the ramdan. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a dish I don't know, but no, it's this whole other layer of classism because it's two super cheap ramen noodle dishes and then real fancy steak yeah yeah i would not have picked up on that either point for Kristen. point for well, me i knew the ramdan thing was coined by the translator point for hallie yeah i don't think hallie should get a point you never yeah. think i should get points. point for point for the translators also translation is like the least respected and I know. Probably and it, most important yeah, like it's literary so important. job. It's it's so important and translators are great. I I've tried to translate things before and it is also super difficult. Yeah, translators do things like that all the time where they'll they'll make up words to describe concepts that like don't exist or are a mashup themselves and like I don't know. This is not a translation podcast, but I could talk for a long time about the importance of translators. They're they're so great. They're so great. We appreciate them. We do. I am really. This doesn't have to go in the episode, but uh, but uh, 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 the the only two Phoenix Wright games that I haven't played are finally being translated into English, and they'll be available on the Nintendo Switch in July. And I am so hyped. So thank you, translators who worked on the great ace attorney and <laughs> finally made this happen for me yeah because i wanted it so much for such a long time yeah translation translation yeah is there are there more parasite things that we should talk about i wasn't i wasn't sure what to make of the the relationship between uh kiwu and the the daughter that he's tutoring uh dehai yeah her name is dehai um yeah i don't i mean it felt i like one of my first thoughts when he was like oh i'm gonna wait officially to ask her out until she's passed the entrance exam or whatever i was like ugh. 
Like, you're, you're, you're taking Min's property. Which, of course, he isn't. Because, A, she's a person and not anybody's property. And, B, like, oh, fuck Min. Like, anybody should be able to ask her out if they want. He, he used his friend as a placeholder. But, like, metaphorically speaking, that's what he was doing. And so it's, it felt like he was sliding into that role. Like, I've been wondering, too, why the movie was called Parasite. Because, like, I guess, in a sense, the poor people are parasiting off of the rich people by living in the bunker and eating their food on, on the sly and all that kind of stuff. But, like, that feels so, like, such a nasty term for what the message of the movie seems to be. So that, so him dating Dehai felt in line with that kind of theming for me, but I can't put it in better words. I looked it up, by the way, why it was called Parasite, because I was not, I was like, is it just because of the Kim family? Because that seems harsh. They're just trying to live, man. And it is, but it also is sort of meant to be about the Rich Park family as well and how they act as parasites by constantly utilizing the services mm. and taking advantage of people in those positions lower than theirs. And so it's meant to be a twofer. Okay. Okay. What did you, what did you make yeah, of the dating, David? Um, I was just, I was just kind of curious about it because there isn't a lot of, the relationship never really gets particularly fleshed out, but I guess it is sort of like, most of it I think exists because of, again, that scene where the family is in the house and sort of having their little party Mm -hmm. and they get to talking about and um dreaming about like what's gonna happen when the two of them are married and this will be the you know this will be their in-laws house and everything and like that that was sort of what i saw the functioning of it more is like another way for them to um fantasize a little bit about Mm -hmm. moving up in like there wasn't anything super serious about their relationship they were just like kissed a little bit but it was another another instance of like dreaming for the Kim family. Yeah. I did not like the relationship because they mentioned that she was a sophomore and the other guy was going to college. And granted, I do not know um, typical ages age differences of people who date in Korea, nor do I know exactly how old you are at certain grades, because I know school systems vary, obviously. But all I could think of was, when I was a sophomore, I was 15, and so someone going into college would be 18, and that would just be weird and creepy, and I'm not a fan. And so my biggest thing was just like, no, don't date the teenage girl. Stop. I mean, it felt like a questionable decision definitely but it also felt very like uh, you kids like she has a crush on the older tutor boy who held her hand and was like your pulse is very fast like yeah okay you're a teenage girl that would leave an impression he probably should not have but he was also maybe worried about his position there this is me looking too far into it because they never give him a line indicating that 
But that was kind of how I justified it. It just kind of feels like they fell into that role because it worked for some thematic options and from some, like, teenage hormonal options. Plus, I thought it was really funny when uh, she was sitting on the table in the living room and she was like, I miss you. Wish you were here right now. And he texted like, of course I'm here with you. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> from under the table. <laughs> Those scenes, scenes where you're sneaking around trying not to get caught in the house stress me out. And that was such a good scene. Yeah. I like that the mom uh, coughed to hide the vibrating of Kevin's text as she walked by. Because that was very college there was one specific yeah. time in math class where someone's phone was going off and my entire corner of the room just started coughing and uh good times also i feel bad for the sister whose name i cannot remember i know she goes by jessica and i know i've been saying kevin this whole time so it's sort of the same but i can't remember her non-english name uh kijun 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 I just feel so bad for her because I really liked her. She was probably my favorite. She was kind of ruthless. And I wish I was good at forging things, which is honestly <laughs> probably half the reason I liked her so much. I really liked that. Like, Man, um, such talent. I wish she would teach me. When their brother was interviewing, you know, she, the mom was like, I want to sit in on the lesson to make sure, blah, blah. And he was like very polite and differential. And then she came in as like the art tutor was like, no, I don't let parents stay in the room. You have to go. Like, she was so much more forceful to get the position, and, like, she was like, oh, I googled art therapy while I was up there, yeah. and then I just, like, got right, and I loved that. And yeah. even when her own mom comes in, at that point, to, like, drop off the fruit snack, she's like, leave it outside next time and knock before you come Right? In. Like, she's I don't know. I really liked her, and I feel really bad that she died. Because I know! Because she didn't... She was gonna go bring food down to the two people, and just got caught and had to go out and then do this whole role and I don't know I feel like she didn't do anything wrong she wasn't I know everyone was desperate but she wasn't the mom who kicked the other woman down the stairs she wasn't the dad who tied up and duct taped the 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 guy who was you know hitting all the lights to do morse code I don't know, she didn't do anything wrong. I mean, well, okay, that's a lie. She made the woman lose her job and rubbed peaches on her face. But it, was, it was brutal. I just don't like that she had to die. It made me sad. Yeah, that whole scene was just... That was a that was a crazy scene, the whole party. That was a lot. It was. It's a lot going on. Lots of, lots of knives. And a sausage skewer. Yeah. That was... <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, I loved the dog chewing on the sausages. Well, he was bleeding out. During, yeah. yeah, during the aftermath of that scene. That was a good scene. Just one of the, the upper class people's dogs just having a snack. It was, just, I it was yeah. so sad to seeing like Rich Dad who was like, oh, give me the keys. We have to drive to take my son who just had a stroke to the to the hospital because they have the 15 minute window, as they said earlier. But like, you know, his daughter had just been stabbed, but like he didn't know at that point that was his daughter. Oh, no, it was just a really tense scene. It was tense. Yeah. A lot of things were happening. His daughter was bleeding out in front of him. Uh, he watched his son get carried across the lawn. Props to uh, props to Dehai. I I have maybe been saying Desai and that is wrong. Dehai, uh, for carrying her boyfriend 
out of that basement. Yeah. Like she right? had, she had him on her back and it was like props girl, look at you. Yeah. I don't know that I could fireman carry anybody up the stairs. She saved his life. And out into the lawn and like that's a long ways. Yeah, up all those stairs and he's taller than she is. Like, ah. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever fireman's carried anybody though? It's a fairly satisfying thing to do to pick somebody up like that. I I have not. I can't say I've had the pleasure. It was something that we had to learn in Boy Scouts when I was <laughs> little. But like there's a whole you, you kind of like you know, grab their leg and then, like, lift them up onto your back. And, like, you can pick up surprisingly heavy people that way just because you're, like, lifting with your legs and doing all of that. But, uh, yeah, if you get the opportunity, I highly recommend you <laughs> carrying somebody like that. Just just go and find someone and pick them up. Next time I see my nephew, I'll just grab him. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I could maybe do it with a child. Yeah. I'll try one of my nephews first. Definitely do it. I'm sure there are YouTube videos about how to do the fireman's carry. But listeners, just grab someone off the street. <laughs> I'm going to carry you to safety. <laughs> Shout with no context. Yeah, just the uh, next person you see, get him on your back and carry him up the stairs. <laughs> That's your homework for next episode. Let us know if you did this at Catching Up David. Please tweet at us yeah. about your fireman carrying adventures. Visual proof is appreciated, but not necessary. Yeah. You'll get extra we'll, points, though. Yeah. We'll, we'll trust you, though, if you can't somehow get a picture of you with someone on your back <laughs> during, the, uh, during the action. Yeah. Should we um should we talk about the next episode? Let's do it. I think so. Alright. So, for next time. It's summer break, and Sarah Jane's parents just went out of town, leaving the teenager home alone for a long weekend. <laughs> and you know what that means. It's party time. She invites over ten of her best friends to stay at the house for three days, and they stay up late, drinking her parents' beer and playing truth or dare until well past midnight. When suddenly, the teens get a phone call. They answer, but it's nothing but heavy breathing on the other end of the line. Creeped out, they hang up, only to get another call moments later. Again, just breathing. Then, one of them disappears, and another, and the phone keeps ringing. Not only that, but the calls are coming from inside the house. That's right, for next week, we're watching Scream! And I hope that phone call thing is from that movie and not from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Because I haven't seen that one either. But I know it's got to be one of them. So, anyways, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Scream was a suggestion from a listener on Twitter. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, and, yes, thank um, you. I'm thank excited. You. Yeah, it was a really good suggestion. It. It's something that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. And, um, yeah, if you have suggestions for other movies we should watch, just feel free to tweet at us. Our uh, Twitter handle is at catching up David, and I read every tweet and message that we get. So feel free to send them on over. Have you? Have either of you seen Scream? Uh huh. But not until recently. Well, I mean, the last like three or four years. But that was like later than many people expected me to have seen Scream. 
Yeah. I have not seen Scream. My one friend really enjoys it and tried to get me to watch it, but I did not like it for the chili guts, and so we stopped after no more than 10 minutes into it. So <laughs> I have not seen it. Great. Will you be okay with it this time? We will see how I feel about chili guts now, almost 10 years later. I am interested. <laughs> Only time will tell. Excellent. So um, stay tuned to hear whether or not it made me throw up. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be an exciting update for next time. And uh, yeah, if uh, if no one's got anything else, then um, so long, Kristen. Auf Wiedersehen, David. So long, Howie. A bientôt. And uh, and good night, listeners. <laughs>